0: One of my favorites I haven't heard right now from Van Halen in forever. I know it takes a little while for those pianos to kick in to the normal Van Halen rock uh, style, but hey, um, I remember when this song first came out. I was driving uh, somewhere uh, around El Paso. It was, I think it was the summer. And we just got this on CD. Put it in our buddy's car. Could have been a cassette. Who knows? And we just thought it was, like, the coolest thing because it was so different at the time from what we were used to, anyway, from Van Halen. So, good job, Adrian. Bringing back memories. Taking me down the... Back in the old days. I think this song is like 30 years old now, too, which is even crazier.
1: Wow, really, Steve? And uh, I-, I had to update the music library. Uh, this is a good time to do it. Now basketball season's over uh, for UTEP Basketball, and uh, we're getting ready for the off season. Let's get some offseason music going.
0: Yeah, right on. This song is actually 31 years old. My goodness. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: 1991. Good lord, it's uh, I'm telling you that's that's the hardest part about it is you know, I, I'm I'm at an age now where songs like this, you, you you have specific memories, recollections, and you don't think that it's been that long. Like but then again, I also don't feel like I've been working here twenty seven years either. I, I really don't. Because I remember when I first started and doesn't feel like it was that long ago. So that's that's I've lost. I lost track of time so many years ago that it's all just a blur as we as we do this job. That's just the way it is.
1: Is this like newer Van Halen for like people who like classic Van Halen? Is that how you would describe this? So this was
0: mean Van Halen started they really got big in like seventy eight. Okay. That's when they first came out with Van Halen one and then some longevity. so this was like 13 years after they debuted, which nowadays with bands like the Foo Fighters, 13 years is nothing. But yeah, I mean, you know, they, they went from David Lee Roth to Sammy in the mid-80s. So they were already, you know, five years into the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen, but that was, that was a big deal, that song.
1: I I hear that um, some people who like the older Van Halen don't really like the the newer stuff, like the early 90s stuff. Yeah, That's pretty interesting.
0: I like like Sammy. I like David Lee Roth. I mean, they're completely different sounds. There's completely different styles, which is why I like it. I mean, the band essentially reinvented themselves with Sammy Hagar, and that was fun. So I'm a big Van Halen fan. Good start to the show. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Sad that UTEP basketball season is over, but I was there last night, and I'll be honest with you. If Southern Utah was in Conference USA, they probably would have been a top three team in that league. They were good. They could shoot. Um, They really moved well without the basketball. They played some defense. Uh, They hit all the big shots they needed to. They made their free throws. Yet, they gave UTEP a chance. There were at least four or five opportunities in that ball game when... um, Southern Utah couldn't do anything, and the miners were within single digits, and they just couldn't cut into the lead because they either missed shots, had shots go in and out, turned it over, whatever. I mean, it was a rough game because you know no Jamal enemy. and and I really do believe with JB they win that game last night. I do, but you know they were outplayed. Simple as that. They were dominated. They they, they looked they did not look good in the first half. They had one good run in the second half, and before you know it. They're down 15, and it's good night, minor season. Simple as that. And I did not get a chance to listen to Minor Talk last night. I'll be the first to tell you I did not. But, Adrian, thank you for wrapping up the season solo. That, people don't understand how hard it is to do this job by yourself. Um, you have calls ringing in. You have nobody to screen the calls. So you either have to take breaks or put them on live on the radio uh, and hope for the best. It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. So um, I've done I've done solo shows over the years, mostly because Robert Garcia overslept and didn't show up for crunch time and, and left me by myself, uh, which was never fun. But it happened That's on, horrible. on multiple occasions. Um, and I know what it's like. So thank you for doing it. And as far as minor fans go, so the season's over. They win 20 games, which is an accomplishment let's not sugarcoat it winning 20 is 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 a very good thing for this Utah basketball team but i'm just going to put it out there right now and and again i don't have inside information or nothing like that so this is this is not like uh suddenly i know something that nobody else knows but i will i'll just say this and thank you um Ed McDonald and Bovine Fecal Matter for uh the you know the reaction to my Van Halen opening rant. Appreciate that both of you. I really do. Um regarding the Utah basketball roster and the turnover, okay. I'm going to preface this statement by saying I have no inside information on this, okay? But I'm just telling you right now, brace yourself for the worst this off season. Brace yourself for the worst. Okay? What I mean by that is, if they lose between 7 and 10 players to either the portal, going pro, or anything else out there, just don't let that come as a shock if it happens. And don't be like, what is going on here? Just understand that a lot of these guys either A, hung in there with Joe Golding and staff for that first year, but now either have opportunities elsewhere, being professional or other schools or whatever. Or also, there are some guys on this roster that might have been brought in that, hey, just haven't worked out. Maybe the coaches need to turn around and upgrade certain spots. Okay? But when you combine all of that, you could see a mass exodus. It is definitely possible. And I'm just telling the minor nation right now, all the minor maniacs out there, brace for impact. Because if it doesn't happen, then good. Then I'm excited. But if you lose almost everybody off this roster and you got to rebuild, yeah, it's going to be tough on Joe and the staff and and on the fans and all that, but that could also very well be – uh, a big possibility here over the next few weeks and months as we wait to see how the 2022-23 season is going to shape up.
1: Yeah, we had people call uh, call in last night and say, oh no, I, I think that the whole team is going to come back or some of the major contributors, and I, I've maintained this for weeks now. If you're coming at us and saying that uh, you know no one is leaving this program, you're just simply wrong. You, look at the math. Uh, look at college basketball. Look at the landscape across the country right now and how many players are entering the portal left and right as soon as their season's done. It has happens across the board. Now, I know a lot of people wanted to talk about who they want to stay yeah. la- uh, last night and you know who who they want to be on this roster next season. Uh, I look a little deeper on the roster. Like You'll get those starters, I think. I, I, I'm sold on Joe Golding. I think he's going to recruit some solid players, and I think he's got some leverage to him to say, hey, if you come over here to play with the minors, you can average 30 to 40 minutes and, pl- and put up some good numbers in this system. I'm looking deeper in the roster. i want Want to see what kind of depth they they recruit to this team. Because you can recruit difference makers, but can you recruit the seven through ten guys on your roster who could fill out your roster spots? So uh, when you're talking about uh, priorities of, of players returning, I look at Christian Agnew. I look at Jamari Sibley, guys that you can – Jarrell Satterfield, guys you can get off the bench who could be quality depth pieces and not necessarily be your standout player because everybody wants to be the standout. But who wants to be the guy who comes off the bench and helps out the minors win?
0: But the question is, are the guys coming off the bench – uh, good enough with that role, or do they want more? That's that's the name of the game with this whole thing, Adrian. That's what it comes down to. And you brought up some guys that, hey, some of them might be satisfied with being that bench role that plays 15, 20 minutes a game at best and, and gives the team a spark. But others might say, hey, I want to start or I want to shoot more. Or, I want to do this or I want to do that, especially some of the vets that have been around a while. So you don't know what that what's going to happen there. And that's, again, why there is so much uncertainty surrounding this thing and, and what's going to happen. And we really don't know for sure who's staying or who's going at this point. We don't know, not until they start entering their names in the portal and we start seeing their social media uh, tweets or their Instagram posts or anything else that kind of explain what their next move is going to be.
1: Yeah, Bryson Williams really paved the way, too. I mean, these guys are friends with Bryson Williams off the court still to this day, and those guys like Sule Boom, Keontae Kennedy, whoever, Jamal Biennemi, they're looking at what uh, kind of success Bryson Williams has had at at the Power 5 level and what a move like this can really do for your career. I mean, that's a tough blueprint if you're trying to keep some of these players here at UTEP. Those players look at that, at at Bryson Williams' success, and they think, well, maybe the grass is greener on the other side.
0: Ah, man. I'm telling you, that's uh, that could be the case. Could be the case. Alright. 12 past the hour as we get started. Good show today for you, by the way. Excited about that. In fact, we've got a fun one uh, coming up here in just about less than 10 minutes from now. Audrey Spearman is going to join us. And uh, uh, this is also pretty uh, exciting stuff because she is part of the UTEP Black Alumni Network, Uban. And they have a huge Zoom scheduled Friday with members of the 66 team, and we're and it's free, and we're going to talk to Audrey about that coming up in uh, less than 10 minutes from now. Adrian, this is a very very cool topic. That is also going to kick us off here on the show today.
1: Yeah, this is the month of March, a great month to remember the great legacy that the 1966 team left on and off the court. And the off the court, it, um, you know, Ram, um, I guess their effect has, has lived to this day of being the first team to start five black players in a national championship game and what they were able to do to uh, uh, break through in, in racism and in uh, civil rights movements and things like that. Uh, so this is going to be a great discussion. I can't wait for this.
0: Now, Audrey, For those of you wondering, folks, uh, she is the Director of Marketing and Media. She's also a 2019 grad at UTEP, so she will tell us about the virtual Q&A with members of the 66 team this friday at six o'clock it's going to be a two hour zoom by the way and it's free to sign up it's free to ask questions on uh you can get it it's really really cool so audrey's going to join us coming up in our four o'clock hour and then jeff erickson in our five o'clock hour and then todd fincher at six and he's got a horse that's going to be in the sunland derby one of our favorites todd fincher as part of the local trainers so all that and more as we kick things off first let's go to victor he'll get us started here on sports talk today vic what's going on man
2: Oh, not much, my friend. How you doing today? Steve? Good,
0: Victor. What's uh, what's new on on your front?
2: Well, I wanted to see if um, there were any updates on the uh, Aggie head Men's basketball coaching Church. Not um, one,
0: pal. Not one. I think it comes down to Greg Heyer and James Miller. I said that yesterday, and I'm going to stay with that today.
2: And and I agree with you. I I, I had lunch today with uh, Jack Nixon, a good good friend of mine. Sure. R- really awesome, super-duper fellow. Hey, he's and the John Teicher of New Mexico
0: State. Jack's the
2: greatest. Jack Nixon. Yeah, boy, I tell you. I've known him for decades, and, you know, he, he's the best. He's, he's, he's the best. Um, and, and I told him, you know, I told Jack, you know, it's going to come. I I agree with you. I, I, I told Jack this in our lunch today. I told him, it's going to come down to between Coach Miller and Coach Hire. Yep.
0: Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. I still think I still think they give it to higher, but I think Miller's gonna have a long look. I really do. And there's a lot of reasons you choose James Miller.
2: My my and I, I agree with you. My reasoning behind that, um to make this short here. Um if you wanna keep the coaching I mean I mean if you wanna keep the team family aspect together, you you make Coach Miller the, the coach. If you wanna keep the 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 lineage, coaching lineage, alive, you give it
0: to hire. Good job today, Victor. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for getting in. All right. Good start to the show. Charlie's back with traffic, and then we're going to talk about the big Glory Road event on virtual Zoom this Friday here as Sports Talk continues. As we continue here on Sports Talk... So coming up this uh, Friday evening at 6 o'clock, there is going to be a very, very special event, a virtual event for all of you UTEP fans, especially the 66 team. And here to talk about it with us right now is Audrey Spearman. She is the Director of Marketing and Media for UBAN, the um, UTEP Black Alumni Network, who's putting on the Glory Road virtual Q&A. And Audrey, welcome to Sports Talk. Great to have you. And uh, thanks so much for uh, giving us a few minutes of your time here this afternoon.
3: Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on today. So,
0: Audrey, this is a very big event that uh, U-Ban will be putting out uh, on Friday with some members of the 66 team. Now, we have been involved with them over the years on numerous uh, different initiatives and events they put together, but I love the fact that you're going to have a virtual uh, Q&A with them uh, coming up on Friday.
3: Yes, it starts at 6 p.m. MST or 8 p.m. Um, EST, and you guys can access the link on our um, alumni website. It's alumni.utip Dot edu forward slash
0: uban that's the way to do it and when you go there you'll have a chance to rsvp it's a free event let me repeat that it is a free event this friday and i understand that when you rsvp for this one you'll also have the opportunity audrey to even put some questions in that uh you know, could be asked during that q a
3: Yes, we would love for everyone to submit any questions that they have for the players. In just a moment, I'll mention who is confirmed. Um, But you can also ask questions during the event as well. And again, you can RSVP at that link. And if you do RSVP and you show up for the event, you will be entered to win prizes and giveaways.
0: How long has this event been in the works for, Audrey?
3: Hmm. Well, a few of our members, you know... Love the idea of this event. It just took us a little while to bring it together. Um, and honestly, it's been a little short notice, but for the last several weeks to about a month or so, we've been working on this. And last minute, we've had a few changes, but um, we have decided on the Q&A and having Mr. Willie Worsley, Willie Tager, Mr. David Latin, Mr. Neville Shedd, And the wife of and Miss Tina Hill, the wife of Mister Bobby Joe Hill, on answering questions.
0: That is a great lineup. What an awesome nucleus of uh, different, uh, you know, members of that team, and and also uh, Tina Hill being a part of that as well because she has so much to pass along from obviously all the years with, with Bobby Joe. I think that's terrific. And I'll say something else. You know, we've seen since COVID really so many of these type of virtual events. Uh, come to the forefront. It wasn't that long ago when the nineteen ninety two UTEP Sweet Sixteen basketball team had a Zoom reunion that was held with all of them, and uh, luckily that was recorded and I think that's put up on on uh, YouTube so fans can actually see that and see some of these guys that you know were were really big around here uh, thirty years ago when they went to the Sweet Sixteen. So now we have the same effect with the championship team members, and I just think that's awesome.
3: Yes, we're celebrating 56
0: years. That's hard to believe. For I think a lot of uh, minor fans listening to the show, you know, 56 years uh, since they won the national title is a very big deal. And for some of us, we weren't around then. But for others, not only were they there, they were either season ticket holders or they were regular fans. And it's amazing to me how many of those UTEP supporters are still around and they still go to games.
3: It's amazing.
0: It really is. Now, um... Let's talk a little bit about the uh, UTEP Black Alumni Network. And, uh, you know, first off, how long has has it been around?
3: UTEP has been around for over, I'm sorry, UBAN has been around for over a decade. And um, we are very, very active. So we meet once a month. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month at 6 p.m. online. And so anyone who's interested in knowing more about UBAN or getting involved can join us at our weekly meetings. You can go to our Facebook page at UBAN Network um, as well. And you can uh, message me. I, I run the social media pages and I'll be sure to add you to our, weekly, uh, our monthly meetings. Excuse me. Audrey, how'd you get
0: involved with UBAN to begin with?
3: Well, um, so I came across UBAN during 20, well, late 2019, early 2020, and I wanted to get involved because what they do for African-Americans or with African-American studies and the Black Student Union is very inspiring. So a little bit about UBAN is UBAN has um, been involved in encouraging diversity at the university for a while. So they even spoke out due to the fact that there were no black professors or very few black professors at the university. And we want to be a sounding board for black professors, students, alumni, um, and and things like that. And so we went to the president and we were like, you know, there's no black professors. What can we do about this? How can you then help? And so, after we asked that question, they actually invited Uban um, into the hiring process and the recruitment process, and we have been a part of recruiting a few black professors at the university. Um, and as I mentioned, just be, just due to things like that, I was so inspired. Now, Uban also has the Dr. Daly Scholarship Fund, where we provide emergency money. To students who need it, like let's say if a student needs to go to a conference, but they're low income and they can't afford it, or they need some, some, some sort of money, and they just don't have access to it. They can apply for this grant through Uban. and so Uban band does so many great things um, just like that through African American Studies and the Black Student Union.
1: Audrey, why is it so important to have discussions like this? So you talked about one of the big missions being connecting, uh, you know, UTEP and uh, its alumni, their friends, faculty, students, the El Paso community. Why is this conversation so important?
3: Well, it's it's so important because, you know, um, if we don't have the conversation or if we don't cross those, you know, boundaries, so to speak, we never know what can happen. Just like with those five players, just like with um, with the Glory Road event, those five players, um, they were very brave. The coach was very brave. The entire team was so brave to cross that boundary and say, hey, we want to do something different. So starting them and then actually winning that championship changed, changed college uh, basketball, changed El Paso history, black history, all things like that. And so that's that's also what U-Ban is doing. We're making sure that we're standing up, we're being brave so that it can benefit other people as well.
0: Audrey Spearman with us right now here on Sports Talk. She's the Director of Marketing and Media for U-Ban. As we talk about the Glory Road event uh, coming up Friday at 6 p.m. on Zoom, which you can register for for free by going to alumni.utep.edu forward slash Uban and get yourself signed up for that. Now, Um, You graduated in 2019 uh, with honors, and one of the goals of UBAN is to encourage diversity by increasing the involvement of minority and young alumni in the life and support of the university. So as a young uh, alumnus, as you are, tell me um, how you've seen really UBAN start to grow with more uh, recent graduates like yourself.
3: Right. That's a great question. So a few events that we do, as we do collaborate with African American Studies and the Black Student Union, we hold a yearly um, graduation for the Black Student Union for those students who are graduating. And we really do uh, a lot during homecoming week. We have events. Um, our president, Ms. Yolanda Patterson, our vice president, Mr. George Ellis, and our secretary, Ms. Pat White, and the other members, they really come together and pull it off every single year. So we, we have some great food, we have some great events throughout homecoming, and we also do a roundtable discussion with African American Studies, and we also meet with the president every single year. And we've been doing this for the last several years just to, you know, let the president and the university know that we're here to help and um, we're doing all that we can, and we're all in this together.
0: Now, you got the big event Friday. You have the monthly meetings like you talked about. Will there be any other special events uh, coming up here in the next couple of months?
3: Hmm, well, we're still planning some for the next couple of months, but you guys just have to stay tuned to our Facebook page. Um <laughs> You know, and if you'd like, you can come to any of our meetings, but I'll definitely be updating any events that we'll be having on our Facebook page. As of right now, we've recently started planning for homecoming. So if you're a friend of UTEP or an alumni or or just anyone here in El Paso, Come and support the university during Homecoming. Come support u because we have a lot of great things going on.
0: Now, Homecoming is seven months away, which tells me that uh, this is a big event that takes months and months of planning. Am I correct? It
3: does. It does.
0: <laughs> I hear you. If you want to check out uh, their Facebook page, just go to uh, facebook.com slash uban network that's with two n's folks uban network and again if you go online to alumni.utep.edu forward slash uban you'll see the uh all the information you need on the virtual Q&A with members of the 66 Texas Western team. It's going to be 6 p.m. on Friday, a two-hour free Zoom event. But very important, we mentioned this, Audrey, the RSVP deadline is going to be tomorrow. So you got to RSVP before tomorrow if you want to have an opportunity to be a part of this on Friday.
3: Yes, let's RSVP. We already have a lot of questions coming in, so keep the questions coming in, guys. We're super excited. This is going to be a great celebration for these players. They deserve it, and this is going to be great. You definitely want to tune in.
0: Nice job today. Appreciate you uh, giving us a few minutes, and uh, we'll look forward to the big one on Friday, Audrey.
3: All right. Hope to see you there, and thank you so much, Steve. Have a great one.
0: You too. She's Audrey Spearman, folks, and uh, joins us here on Sports Talk. 31 past the hour. Let's get back to Adrian in this bottom of the hour, Sports Center Update. Alright, appreciate it. So, so Herb Street, uh, we thought he was going on to uh, ESPN Monday Night Football, but not the case.
1: The case. Uh, he'll be with Prime, but he'll still stay with uh, Sat- How about that schedule? Thursday Night Football, turning around Friday, getting ready for Saturday, and he's doing that Saturday Primetime college football game.
0: Well, the Thursday Night Football with Herb Street's going to be good. It really is. So he's getting an opportunity, and by the way, Buck and Aikman on Monday nights. So now here's the question. Do you still do the Manning cast on Mondays because you have Buck and Aikman as the main announcers? You know, there was a reason for the Manning cast because the regular announcing crew wasn't bad, but let's be honest, I mean, the the team wasn't as strong as it is now. So you kind of wonder... Uh, since it's always had a niche audience, will people be watching as much of Peyton and Eli as they had before since you're going to be given the A-team now with Buck and, uh, and Aikman doing the games?
1: Yeah, I feel like they should go with having uh, Peyton and Eli as like kind of like studio analysts. Like have that them cool. do pregame, halftime, postgame, that kind of stuff because then you can incorporate everybody into the broadcast and you're not taking eyes away from one or the other. Now, I'd be I'd be curious if they still do the manning cast and, and like they did last year. They didn't do it for. Every game. They only set it for 10 out of the 19, you know, 18 weeks, whatever it is. But yeah, I'm curious to see what happens.
0: You know, it'd be the greatest. It'll never happen. It can't happen. But you know, it'd be the best. What's up? If you had the Mannings do every commercial break. Oh, there you go! And you made it commercial free, <laughs> uh, commercial free football, and you had the Mannings fill every single commercial break that they had, and they got to do halftime as well.
1: And they can read ads too, like in the middle of it. That would be fun. It yes, would be fun. I'm with that. I it like would take that idea. it would take
0: some stones because ESPN obviously wants to make sure that their national sponsors are happy, but it would be awesome if they went commercial free.
1: Hey, ESPN wants to be the king when it comes to uh, Monday Night Football, and for the pl- past couple years, they've been kind of a laughing stone. On, yep. Steve, like their analysts, their groups, they just haven't been the best.
0: Now, Maybe Amazon will bring the Mannings in because they don't need to sell advertising. They, can, they already have their money, so you wonder if maybe Amazon would, would go total commercial free and have the Mannings as part of their deal.
1: Yeah, they could definitely buy the Omaha Productions. That's the production group uh, under Peyton and Eli Manning. That's what allows them to, uh, uh, I guess, do their show on Monday Night Football on ESPN2. So imagine if Prime Video just went in, scooped them up, bought them out, and then uh, brought them in for Thursday night or whatever it is.
0: It'd be incredible. It would be incredible. Hey, by the way, this 66 Zoom is going to be awesome, folks. It's really nice. And and look at the core nucleus you've got. You got Tina Hill, who obviously is going to tell great Bobby Joe stories. You've got Willie Worsley, Willie Cager, Neville Shedd, and uh, you've got David Latin. That's a that's a that's a core group of of five. Uh, just you know, I mean, that's to me that's that's a great great um, you know. Zoom that's going to be happening.
1: Yeah, it's really iconic, and, and minor fans who want to continue to remember the 1966 team, which they should, uh, don't take these times for granted right here. This is the time where you get direct access to talk with some of the icons who uh, directly helped affect this uh, this championship, so this is a huge event coming up tomorrow. And
0: these guys are all now in their late 70s. They got to hit 80. You, we've already lost a few of them. We don't know, you know what's going to happen these next few years, so cherish events like this because we we might not have this much longer that's another way to look at it right now
1: I'm with you on that Steve I mean like we, you just look back on the 50-year anniversary and there's a, there's several players who uh, who came to El Paso who are honored for the 50year anniversary who are, who are not with us anymore and this is a chance for people to chat with members of the 66 team it's happening Friday uh the re, the deadline reservation is tomorrow so people should really jump on this is a this is a great event right here
0: speaking of um, you know great events yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the Sweet 16 team Uh, This was really cool Johnny Smooth Melvin was at the game Smooth has been living in El Paso For the last 11 years Kind of going back and forth between El Paso And other places Johnny Smooth Melvin will join us In our Lubingo Studios next week on the program
1: Wow that's awesome news Steve And it was so cool to see him He looks young man He he hasn't aged at all
0: He looks good He looks very good He's wearing his Milwaukee Bucks uh, shirt yesterday,
1: I saw that. I like that picture that you know he, um, that somebody posted with uh, him and Willie Cager sitting courtside and, and watching the Miners.
0: Yeah, so we talked we talked yesterday uh, a little bit, and uh, we haven't had Johnny Smooth on in a long time, so we'll we'll get him on next week, and I think that'll be a lot of fun having a chance to reconnect uh, with one of our favorites uh, here in El Paso, and and a guy that obviously is uh, you know one of those local legends for what he was able to do along with the rest of the 92 team winning those two games and having an opportunity to even go deeper had they not started out slow against Cincinnati that was a two-point loss and they could have easily had a chance to go to the final four that year
1: yeah and, and you know uh it'll be very fitting to have Johnny Smooth Melvin on the show following the weekend of you know sweet 16 hoops for college basketball this is a perfect perfect time
0: 38 past the sports talk continues come back with more in a moment right here 600 ESPN El Paso seven now past the hour So earlier today, Tyreek Hill was dealt. This is a major story because the Chiefs made uh, some shocking headlines earlier that he was available. We find out that the Jets and Dolphins were the finalists. And I'll be honest, as a Jet fan, with what the Dolphins gave up to get Tyreek Hill, I'm happy the Jets didn't do it. I'm really, really happy. Because no matter how good you are, and and Hill is elite, um, whether it's the four-year, $120 million contract, or the five draft picks, including a first-rounder this year, second-rounder this year, fourth-rounder this year, and a fourth- and sixth-round picks in 2023, that is an absolute haul for the Kansas City Chiefs. And... Telling you, I know is I know he's a difference maker, but he's a difference maker with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he could do the same things in New York with Zach Wilson. We'll find out what he can do with Tua in Miami. But man, you talk about just absolutely cashing in in a big way. Chiefs did very well, very very well, and I get it. Tyreek's one of the best in the game. I understand that but five first you know five picks including a number 1 this year a number 2 this year a fourth round pick and then Miami after giving up all of that spends 120 million that is a massive massive investment for Tyreek Hill
1: yeah, there's and especially knowing that this is becoming such a deep wide receiver league across the board, Stephen. You even look at the NFL draft and how many prospects are there among the wide receiving uh, co- like players. And I I, I I agree. I think Tyreek Hill is still number one as far as the best wide receivers in the NFL. And I think that Cooper Cup is probably either you know two, three, or four, whatever you want to say. Justin Jefferson, you got to put him in that mix as well. Um, and, and same with Jamar Chase. But point is, you look. Look at the wide receivers that are on the board for the draft. Drake London out of USC, the Ohio State duo between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Alabama's Jameson Williams, who we know he had that ACL injury, but he's still expected to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, Beyond that, the Kansas City Chiefs can really upgrade, well, not upgrade, but they can get a a really nice talent to supplement the loss of Tyreek Hill in the first round, and then maybe even uh, get a good, uh, talented wide receiver in the second round. There's some, this is a deep wide receiver draft class
0: right here. So can the Jets. I mean, they pick 4th and 10th. And you got to figure that more than likely, they will use one of those two picks on a top receiver. So, they will get one of the best receivers in the draft, and they also get to keep what they probably would have given Kansas City. 35, 38, and 69 for uh, Tyreek Hill. And then they would have gotten back pick 103. But ultimately, this is interesting. Tyreek Hill chose Miami over New York. And you wonder if, in addition to the income tax is one of the reasons, you know, not everybody is made for New York. It is a tough place to play. And if you don't produce and the media is all over you, I mean, you wonder if Odell Beckham called him and said, choose Miami and some of the other guys that have just not panned out in New York the way you expected them to. Yeah,
1: that's a really good point. Also in Miami, his agent Drew Rosenhaus, that's where he resides. Yep. is his backyard. Miami is committed to retooling all their targets, all their all their weapons that they can put around Tua Tungo-Vailoa and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I, I still don't want to name a quarterback one out of those mix. I don't blame you. We, we still haven't seen the best out of uh, either of them. And I'm wondering, Steve, now with all these different weapons, do the Miami Dolphins entertain any quarterbacks? I know they got got – Teddy Bridgewater already, but is Jimmy Garoppolo on the horizon for a possible trade candidate? Knowing that their offensive coordinator jumped ship, and now he's the he's the man at, at, at Miami.
0: I don't know about that. I don't know because I mean between Bridgewater and and Tua, you, you've got two already that are both starting quarterback caliber i mean i'm not a i don't think teddy bridgewater's elite but he can get the job done but you're still banking on tua teddy's your insurance policy so if that's the case then what do you do if you bring in if you bring in a third right now in garoppolo
1: i think you would have to deal uh teddy bridgewater yeah. but you didn't trade for him in order to deal him exactly so, yeah i could see them sticking with tua and teddy let's
0: go to abel he joins us next abel what do you think of the trade today
4: Hey, Steve, I mean, the first thing I was going to do when uh, you were talking about this was, uh, sorry that we took them off your hands. maybe, but you seem happy that you didn't make the trade.
0: Yeah, I'm happy. I'm real happy. And the only reason is, is because I think that, A, you know, well, they wouldn't have traded their first-round picks anyway, but the Jets have a lot of draft picks. And they can could, they could really go and do well in this year's draft if they draft wisely. And as much as I like Tyree and what he's able to do, it's one thing when you give up five picks for him, but then you give him another $120 million, making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the game. It's a big investment considering he doesn't have uh, Patty Mahomes throwing the ball to him anymore.
4: I mean, from our end of Miami, that pick at 29, that's our first-round pick, second round was 50. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. We're probably going to get a wide receiver anyway. So yep. how you guys are saying, you know, all these players, but all those players are, you know, they're all good, but they're all still what if there's only one Tyree Kill. And teaming them up with Jalen Waddle, Kaseki, Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys we are fixing our line. Um, I mean, See, that's it's the problem. kind of like a... This is like a make it or break it season pretty much for Tua. Yep. They're putting it all. I mean, and I've called you before and I know you you've had your doubts about him. Um being in the division, you, you know how he is and um I mean there shouldn't be really no excuses for him to play for him to play better.
0: No, well, you gotta realize one thing, okay? The Jets have um as their wide receiving talent right now. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Braxton Berrios. There is nobody that the Jets have that can take the pressure off of Tyreek Hill. So if they got him, they would double him. And, and and that was it. And, then, and, and he wouldn't be able to produce like he's produced in Kansas City because they've got no help right now. So that's another thing to consider as far as going to New York right now. There's nobody on that roster that makes you feel good about not doubling Tyreek Hill. In Miami, they're in a different situation. They do have receivers that could take some pressure off of them.
4: Right. And, I mean, it goes back to us saying, again, the AFC is going to be absolutely a, a bloodbath this year with everything that's happened so far. So, yep. I mean, I like, I like the move because the Dolphins, we, 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 you had to do it with everything that's going on in the AFC West. Um, Buffalo, they're, they're still there in the division. Um, but I, I like the move today. Those picks, we, we kept our two. We still have two first-round picks next year. Um, so, that first this year, the second, fourth, uh, fourth and sixth next year. That money is a little bit tight, but, I mean, got to gotta spend money to make money.
0: So There you go. There you go. Good job, Abel. Enjoy the them enjoy because I'll tell you right now the Dolphins are much farther ahead than the Jets are. If the Jets were one player away and Tyreek Hill is the kind of guy that can turn them into a legitimate playoff team, I would say pull the trigger. But they're not. They're so far away from that that uh, Tyreek Hill would cost a lot of money and, trust me, would not reap the benefits like you get him in Miami. So I'm okay as a Jet fan not getting Tyree Hill today. Hey, we'll come back with more. Stay with us 5 o'clock hour next here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Aplow, it's right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Todd Fincher coming up next hour to talk about his horse in the Sunland Derby. Yesterday we had Eric Alwyn on Track Talk from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, the big one this weekend. Also, Jeff Erickson, less than 20 minutes away. But, Adrian, today was a big day out in Starkville. Chris Jans was introduced as the new head men's basketball coach of the Bulldogs.
1: That's right, Steve, and I I know that a lot of uh, Mississippi State fans are excited about their new head coach Chris Jans. Mississippi State believes that they have the best of the bunch that was hired among SEC coaching vacancies. Let's see what he can do.
0: Press conference was 35 minutes long. We're going to cut to the chase, give you some of the best parts. Before Chris got into really what he's going to do out there with Mississippi State, he had some thank yous. And as you might imagine, NMSU was tops on the list.
5: First and foremost, I'd like to thank the um, uh, folks at NMSU, particularly Gary Carruthers, the former chancellor at New Mexico State who was the reason I was hired there. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here right now. And equally important is my former AD, Mario Mocha. I'm indebted for the rest of my life to Mario and his family, uh, the executive team at New Mexico State that allowed me to be their basketball coach for the last five years. Um, we certainly started as you know, supervisor, employee, but it grew to be a special relationship and hopefully he's watching. And um, I just wanna say a sincere thank you um, to all the folks at New Mexico State, but especially um, Gary Crothers and Mario Mocha for uh, what they did for me and my family.
0: Good start right there from uh, Chris Jans. And by the way, I mean,. I know, you know, those guys were close because I remember right after, um, you know, the UTEP coaching search came to an end and Joe Golden was announced. I think Mario took a picture with Chris Jans, like in their backyard with glasses of wine. And both of them were like having smiles on their faces and sent that out on social media. And like the next thing, you know, Jans has a new contract extension and uh, nobody had to worry anymore about Jans last season staying at New Mexico state.
1: Yeah. Well, wasn't the caption like, aren't you entertained Aggies fans or something funny like that? And that was a, I, I do remember that post. I, I do remember all of this and it just really speaks on how great of a friendship both the two have.
0: It was hilarious. I thought that was great. But again, you're right. That does speak about their friendship and really shouldn't be surprising, Adrian, when you talk about just what they were like all these years. And I saw it up close and personal these last few years when I really got a chance to, to get to know both real well. And, and I could tell. It was a very unique and special relationship. It wasn't your typical head coach AD relationship.
1: Yeah, and I, I believe that also Mario Mocha is very happy for Chris Jans. He wanted this for Chris Jans. He wanted him to have that success, of course, in a perfect world. He wants him to stay with New Mexico State forever, but that's that's just not the case, and so I'm sure he's very happy for his now friend former colleague.
0: No doubt about it. The press conference happened earlier today. You just heard Coach Jans talk about how much animus you meant to him. Here's what he had to say to all the fans out there there about what he's going to do now in the SEC.
5: I'm eager to lay the foundation of our program. Um, Obviously, we've already started. Um, There's a rich tradition of winning at Mississippi State. It goes back decades and decades. You know, some great coaches have have, uh, walked through these halls and coached in this beautiful arena all the way back to Babe McCarthy, um, certainly, Richard Williams and the Final Four run, Coach Rick Stansberry and the, all the tournaments, the NCAA tournaments, and the winning um, that he did while he was um, the head coach at Mississippi State, um, and certainly most recently with Coach Howland. He and his staff need to be applauded for the quality of student athletes that they brought to Mississippi State. I've had the opportunity to meet these young men, and I just couldn't be more impressed. Um, with the people that he had around him, especially the players. Um, and I just want to say thank you to coach and, and his staff um, for, for, you know, having that vision. Obviously people always want to know how we're going to play. Now um, the, that's the fun part for me. That's the easier part for me. Uh, we're going to, we're going to play with confidence. When we walk out of the tunnel We're gonna have a swagger about us. We're gonna believe in each other. We're gonna play for each other. We're never gonna step on the floor uh, without a chip on our shoulder. And we're never gonna look down at the other bench or the other half of the court as we're warming up and and fear anybody. Uh, We're certainly gonna respect our opponents, but we're gonna be very prepared. Uh, We're gonna treat every game like the Super Bowl. That's how I was raised in basketball. And we're gonna compete. Each and every night, uh, we've got to recruit our sixth man. I know we have an unbelievable following. Uh, I've been reached out by many, uh, many Hail State fans, many Dol- Excuse me, Bulldog fans, and it's exciting. Um, but obviously, we've we got to have a sixth man in the hump. We want to get the hump rocking. I'm excited about the renovations that are coming around the corner. That'll make the fan experience, the game experience, even better. Uh, we're going to be very active in the Starkville community. I can't wait to meet the folks um, in this beautiful community um, and certainly, you know, on campus. But uh, it starts with me. We're going to build relationships with people. Uh, we're going we're to, you know, build them one by one. Uh, we're going to be active on campus. We're going to uh, meet the Greek, si- Greek system and recruit those folks, get them excited, work with our marketing staff to create a game day experience. Um, and certainly one of my biggest responsibilities is the product we put on the floor. You know, my goal is win or lose. Certainly we want to win every game, but we want um, our, our fans and, and our people um, to be excited about how we're playing, to be excited about our compete level, um, to never leave the hump, kicking the can, um, mumbling under breath about lack of effort, or lack of uh, us being prepared, because um, that's important to me. It's important to me that the people that come pay their money to watch us play um, know that we prepared, that know that we believed we were going to win that game. And again, you know, I'm not going to promise, you know, we're going to win every game, but I, I will promise that we're going to play very, very hard. We're going to play smart. And we're going to leave everything on the floor each and every time uh, we we get the opportunity to put on the Bulldog uniform um, and compete with whoever we're going to compete compete against, excuse me.
0: That's pretty much the uh, blueprint of what he did at NMSU over the last five years, when you think about it. and Again, that's uh, the Chris Jans Press Conference. Uh, it's available if you'd like to watch the full 35-minute version, but we wanted to just kind of give you the best parts of that from earlier today. But When he was talking about the style, I'm like, yeah, that, that pretty much describes in a nutshell what he did at New Mexico State those last five years.
1: Yeah, because they came out of the gate with that confidence, with that swagger, and they were always ready to play whenever, whenever they hit the court, and that was uh, the brand Of Chris Jans basketball. And he really instilled that with uh, New Mexico State. And now let's see what he could do with the Bulldogs, taking it over there with Mississippi State.
0: And meanwhile, will Mario Mocha stay within the family and go with James Miller? Or will he bring in somebody like Greg Heyer, who has been compared very much to what Jans is like as a coach, Jans 2.0. Remember when Heyer was hired at Northwest Florida State JUCO last year, he said, We're gonna play angry. I mean, that's pretty much what what you hear. And I loved how Jans also said that he treats every game like the Super Bowl, because that really was the truth. I don't know if you ever watched any of the Zooms these last couple of years, but when they lost games he was the most dejected person you would ever talk to. There was never a sense of, well, you know, we gave everything. We had. I mean, you could see it just deflated him because, I mean – that is one of those guys that essentially expects to win every game, and when he doesn't, uh, you could see how much losing really bothers him.
1: Yeah, and and I'm curious to see which direction they go. It's kind of like, what do you like more? Do you want somebody who can build a program year after year, kind of like Chris Jans? Like, it, it's not really building a program; it's kind of like building a team every single year through the transfer portal, yeah. uh, through transfers who could come in out of junior college, whatever it may be. Or do you want somebody who's going to instill a program and kind of have that? Tradition that uh, Chris Jans laid, and I think if you go with hire, you're going with somebody who can maybe re- retool, get new guys every year, and and uh, shape up a roster to try to win immediately. My big question is: Will the influence of the current players have anything to do with uh, this uh, this hiring process right now? I know Colin Deaver of KTSM reported today that Teddy Allen, who does have one more year of eligibility, was New Mexico State's best player this year, would be interested in coming back if James Miller was hired as the next head coach
0: now that's interesting okay because again you don't want to hire a coach to keep a player and bring him back but obviously teddy allen's a big name and if teddy allen would consider coming back and playing for james miller that makes you think a little bit about it it really does but then again you're not hiring for one year you're hiring for uh an indefinite period of time and you're only getting teddy allen for one year so you kind of say to yourself, is it, really, is it really worth it? And then you also say, well, if it's James Heyer and he has a conversation with Teddy Allen and Teddy's on board, then you might still be able to keep him. UTEP, sure. kept, UTEP kept Sule Boom, uh, they kept Titus Verhoeven, and they kept others. Keontae Kennedy with the first year of Joe Golding, even though he was out of the Rodney Terry family tree.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point right there. I I, I mean the only other uh, other angle that you'd go on that is saying, well, maybe would James Miller, Teddy Allen go as kind of like a, a, a an accompanying piece with Chris Jans over to Mississippi State if uh, it's hire as the next head coach for New Mexico State. I'm I'm not sure, and I'm curious to know if those uh, connections have been made between hire any of the player players or how far along they are in this interview process. I know it well, just got started this week.
0: I think Mario Mocha told me that he's. Ex- They're expecting interviews like middle of the week, so right around now they'll start. And I don't think it's going to take a while. I wouldn't be surprised if NMSU has their coaching hire by early next week.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. Hey, there's a lot of great coaches out there. You better snatch them up before somebody else
0: does. 100%. Ask Louisiana Tech about that one. There you go. You're right about that. All right, Uh, Jeff Erickson right around the corner. But before we get to Jeff, let's talk about Alex and Bonnie. You know, they were ready to upgrade to a new and better home and to sell their current northeast side home, they had started with another agent, but guess what? That agent could not get the job done. So they decided to switch to Brian Birds and his team, the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty, and they had complete opposite results. Matter of fact, that home sold quickly for a hundred and eighty-five grand. Now Brian and his team are helping them find their new ideal home. And uh, congratulations uh, again. That's what happens when you work. With Brian Birds. Now, to achieve top dollar for your home, you have to have that agent who can create an auction-like effect with buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. That is what Brian Birds and his team will do for you. Now, he's got hundreds of buyers ready to buy. So, if your home lists between one hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars, he has buyers for you right now. And when it comes to that annual marketing budget, how about this? Twenty-five times higher than the average real estate agent's annual income that's the brian birds difference so call the official real estate agent of utep and the locomotive the only agent i would call if i needed to sell my home you want to know why i trust brian birds you should too check him out online brianbirds.com or google brian birds b-u-r-d-s and start packing so have you heard to sell that adrian i've added new leagues this year as if i don't have enough on my plate
1: wow really how many leagues are you in now for fantasy baseball
0: i've lost track somewhere between six and ten you're kidding i'm like jeff erickson except this is not my main job of work Uh, this is not my income well it could be my income if i do well but i mean you know hey if i was jeff erickson i'm getting paid for it i mean that i understand what the hell am I doing, Adrian? I- I- I'm-, I'm insane right now.
1: I'm, I'm thinking that you're going to be converting the Lubingo Studios into like a big whiteboard where you just got every different fantasy team up there. You got roster lineup changes every day. And, and I think you kind of need some kind of crazy whiteboard or something like that to keep, uh, keep track of all of this.
0: My name is Steve Kaplowitz, and I have a problem. I can't <laughs> avoid fantasy baseball leagues. Jeff, welcome back. How are you?
6: Good, but what do you mean this isn't a source of income? From what I hear, you're like an ace out there.
0: Well, uh, you never well, yeah, but but, but there's that point where you over you, you over um extend yourself and I'm worried about that. Hopefully that doesn't happen this time around.
6: Well, get you got to go get uh the draft and go studios to kind of endorse, you know, you know, well, support your habit, I guess. But so, uh, you know, it's bad for me. I I'm, I'm actually worse than you. I'm I'm about 17 to 18 roto leagues, stratomatic league, four score sheet leagues. That's just one sport too. So yeah, well, Um, how about this? Our issues as far as that goes. I'm I'm actually doing a live auction as we speak right now online, Um, and it's a in a keeper league of mine. Uh, I'm pretty well set. you know, you know, in terms of, like, the the main players on my roster. So now I'm trying to chase the money off the table. So timing is perfect here. I just nominated Kenley Jansen and let the sparks fly, see what happens. So, I like that.
0: Uh, yeah. That's good. Well, listen, I just joined an actual – I think I joined a 5 by 5 Roto League um, with a fab budget – and uh, that's going to also be kind of interesting. But you know what? Uh, they approached me about it. One of the teams uh, that had been in it for years, the owner had just passed away, and they, they asked me to take it over. And I I, mean, I didn't want to say no. So that's the hardest part. The hardest part is saying no to these opportunities.
6: Oh, yeah. I did a live draft for the first time this year. There's like a Bay Area Fantasy League. Uh, it, it's turned into like a franchise. There's now like a New England one, a New York one, a. Ohio one, so they did a Southern California one this year, and it's a live draft. So who am I to say no to a live draft? It's for like people, uh, you know, people you know in the fantasy industry that are happen to be living in Southern California. We all got together and went down to Newport Beach, and yeah, I'm going to go do a live draft in Newport Beach. Why not?
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, the fun part about this is it's going to be an NL only Fab budget, and um, you know, I mean, that's just what it's all about. And I know a bunch of people in the league, so it'll be okay. I, I talked myself into it. I, I really did. And I haven't played in a fab league in forever, so that's also kind of fun. Sometimes, isn't it nice when you're playing fantasy sports, when you're in a league that's a little different than the other ones you're in? You almost take yeah. it as a challenge and also something you want to do because it is a little different.
6: Yeah, the one I'm doing right now is a 40-man rostered. We buy our prospects as part of. The, we have a four hundred dollar auction pr- budget. Okay. There's an arbitration thing uh, aspect where player, you know, people can add dollars to your player salary in addition to the extra two that goes up every year, two or three that goes up every year. You also have to, you know, we, we you get to allocate up to three dollars per team uh, in terms of, uh, you know, on that. So you get a Ronald Acuna for cheap, and yeah, you get him cheap for a few years. Next thing you know, he's over fifty bucks in your league, and then you have to decide whether or not to keep him.
0: Absolutely, it's fun. All right, so we could swap uh, fantasy stories uh, for the rest of the segment, and it wouldn't be that difficult. But let's talk about all the activity, all the movement. Good God! Which sport? Uh, Which sport? I, I know, that's it, exactly it's right. Crazy! It is. It is crazy. A hundred percent. All right, fine. Let's talk football first. Let's okay. get into Let's get into that because that's where the craziness is right now. Your reaction when you heard the story today about Tyreek Hill going to Miami?
6: I was live on air at the time. I was dumbfounded. Well, you know, it, we heard the rumblings that contract talks weren't going well. Uh, more this morning. Probably, if you were local, you probably knew that it was not going well. But and that they had given him, like, given him permission to explore a trade. Well, guess what? He, they not only they explore a trade; they had two trades on the table. Both were accepted. You got to choose which one to go to. Crazy, just crazy. Um, and you know, it's hey, good. It, it's it's just been a bananas you know, off-season cycle for the NFL. Yep. Devontae Adams gets traded. Uh, Russell Wilson gets traded. Brady retires and unretires. You know, it's just so many big names trading places via trades. You don't see that as frequent in the NFL, Steve. Guys in their prime getting trading locations like this.
0: I took the over on Brady's retirement because I didn't think, like, living with Giselle and the kids would take six weeks for him to change his mind. I'm a little surprised about that part. I really am.
6: I think he was trying to force his way off the team. I don't think he and Arians are like super tight. Um, and I, I I think I had heard like rumblings even during the Super Bowl season that, you know, it wasn't all it wasn't much Arians. It was more uh Byron Leftwich and Brady getting putting heads together to figure out the offense during the bye week. Um and I think Brady was getting frustrated with that aspect and tried to force a trade and it didn't happen, so uh, we'll see. I, that, that's my take on it.
0: I believe it. I mean, listen, and the fact is, Brady back in Tampa just makes the NFC that much better. Let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers stuck around. We all kind of assumed that it'd be Green Bay again, even though the Rams will have something to say about that. But now that Brady's back, suddenly Tampa's, exact, it's, you know, they're not going to miss a beat. They'll be right back where they were last year.
6: Yeah, they will. They will. Um, they, they lost some offensive linemen, though. Um, they, they one retired and one signed with the Bengals. So they, they'll have to do some reinforcing there. They're up against a little bit cap-wise there, although we've seen that they can sometimes be an illusion, and the yeah. teams find a way to get around it all the time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it might, I, the gang's not quite all back together. Um, and I, I think it's also very interesting to see, like, you know, are they going to add one more? You know, they, you know are they going to get any more help? because they you know they're not going to have godwin for the first 7 or 8 weeks of the season.
0: Right. Hey by the way, can you imagine um back to uh, KC for a second, uh what Juju Smith-Schuster is going to start to do now in fantasy? Oh my goodness. Now without Tyreek Hill, uh, he could be the next to Hill right now. He's only 25 years old, Jeff.
6: He's not that type of player though. You know, he's not a deep ball guy. You know, I kind of look at him more as a possession receiver. I think this significantly changes the KC offense. You know, it really puts the onus on Nicole Hartman to really step up. Uh, they're going to have to use him a little bit more. I don't think Juju is the deep threat, and they need a deep threat to open up everything. And I know they don't, you know, teams are throwing the too deep on, on you know, too deep uh, shell defenses all over yeah. the place, and that really affected KC. But you'll see me, still need a threat of that.
0: I don't know yet. What, do you have almost 1,500 yards like four years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, with Antonio Brown on the other side. Yeah, true. True, and that's well that's and then, and the question's going to be with Travis Kelsey being such a sure-handed receiver at tight end, could that ultimately uh, be you know play right into Juju's hands?
6: Yeah. We'll see. Um and then that's that's possible. Um you know, it, it could work out. Kelsey was starting to see a little decline. I really I mean, I think they need one more receiver. I think they'll get him in the draft. Mm-hmm. They'll have two I think they have two first round picks now, so it's, I think, like the back end of the first round, there's going to be some pretty interesting wide receivers. So, wouldn't be surprised to see that um, that they they spend one of those picks on a receiver.
0: Does Tyreek's value go down now that he goes to Miami, considering they do not have a Patrick Mahomes a quarterback? Of course, of course, it. Has how big? To, right? How big does it go? How big does he fall?
6: I, you know, he goes from end of the first round to end of the second round
0: for okay. me. That's 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 a significant drop. It really is.
6: It. I mean, and I could be wrong. I might. I might rethink it a little bit more as we, you know, as we get closer to draft season. You know, I, I haven't put my, you know, my uh, instincts to the test, right? I haven't had a chance to uh, actually, you know, put my value, my, my draft value to it when it's live on the clock. It's a little bit
0: different. Yeah, I understand. All right. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks changing uh, the zip codes. Let's talk first about the most recent one, Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Do you like it or hate it?
6: Meh. Yeah. I I'm I don't hate it don't don't I, I don't I think it's more of the same of oh let's find a can't hurt you guy uh and instead of well, you know this is this is our solution I don't think the you know I I, I think the ASC has ramped up so significantly that uh it, it's not nearly as you know it's not as impactful as most of the other moves made by the division I mean Sean Watson going to Cleveland for crying out loud uh you know I, I Ryan is probably you know, QB 20 still, 20, 22. I, I can't get too excited. I'd rather have Tua than uh, Ryan now. Uh, and the Colts are a run-first team. They're a slow-paced team. You know, I, I don't see him airing it out. I think the, it'll be interesting to see what Ryan does with a better offensive line. I think
0: that'll help. I, I'm with you on that one, but you know what? Still, I mean, it seems like Indianapolis really hasn't been relevant uh, since uh, it's 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 been a while. It really has. So,
6: yeah, well, they're they're relevant. They just they keep falling short, you know, or they're they're one and done in the playoffs, mm-hmm. or they're the first team out. I mean, they blew it last year. I mean, let last season. Let, let's face it, they should have won one of their last two games. They lost a home game to the Raiders which got the Raiders in, and then they lost at Jacksonville, which is the other reason that made that Raiders-Chargers game relevant. Um, you know, But for that, the Colts are in. The Colts should have been in. But they, their quarterback play was so bad from Carson Wentz down the stretch.
0: By the way, Marcus Mariota um, in Atlanta, you talk about, eh, that's exactly my reaction when I heard that.
6: Yeah, and what is he going to have to work with, too? No, <laughs> No Ridley, no Gage. He's got Pitts, and he's got Pitts. Oh, and he's got Patterson, too. You're going to talk about a lot of usage from those guys. Pretty underwhelming stuff. I'm
0: with you on that one. All right, we'll switch it back to baseball in a moment. Jeff Erickson's with us right now from rotowire.com. If you've got a fantasy question, tweet it to us right now at 600 ESPN El Paso as we send it over to Adrian for this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We continue right now with uh, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire.com. Let's jump to baseball, Jeff. So many moves, lots of activity. Um, where do we begin here? Because, once again, I could throw probably three dozen names at you because it has been fast and furious ever since uh, the lockout ended and free agents could start to sign.
6: Well, we got to start at the top because we didn't talk last week, so we got to talk Tatis. All right, let's uh, do it. You know that that was a bombshell because that that happened on Monday. News came out right before the show on Monday, the 14th, had already done a dra- that draft that I was referring to, that live draft the night before. You know, and everybody had been drafting him with confidence. Okay, you know the shoulder we're worried about a little bit. No one had heard anything about his wrist though, and that was a casualty of the lockout. You know, if but for the lockout, we would have found out about this about a month before. Certainly the Padres would have found out about it about a month before. Maybe they wouldn't have released it, but they would have known at least the extent of the injury uh, and tried to get it taken care of early. Because, I mean, it's in their best interest, obviously, to get him as for much of the season as possible. So the question now is how far does he drop? Uh, you know, this is a guy who's talking you know, top three. I think maybe at once or twice I saw him go in the fifth. Uh, go, or I should say go the fifth uh, overall. Uh, but now... I'm not taking. I've seen him go still, like in the second and third round, and I'm not oh, there no. for it, Steve. It's no. a three month injury, and you don't know how much power he's going to have when he comes back. So you can't. I, I need. He needs to be around pick 100 before I start looking at him seriously.
0: I'm with you on that one, and not only that. Unless you're now, if you're in a dynasty league, get him. Obviously, that makes sense because yeah, it's a long term investment. But if it's a year to year deal, yeah, I wouldn't think anybody would even take him before the fourth or fifth rounds, and that's generous.
6: Yeah, and I, it makes me wonder, like. Um, you know, did they consider doing something for his shoulder? Remember, he never got that surgically repaired.
0: Exactly. Now, how do you think that impacts a guy like Cal Abrams? And then they've also got Kim, they've got Cronenworth, they've got guys that can play short.
6: Yeah, I think he, I think Hassan Kim's going to get the, the, the extent of it. I think that'll be uh, the my bet as far as that goes. Um, uh, in terms of playing time, I don't think C.J. Abrams is necessarily ready. Remember, he was hurt last year, too. Uh, so he needs some time in the minor league level. So, uh, I, I don't think they'll rush him up, but you know, if Kim struggles in the first three, four weeks and Abrams is tearing it up at AAA, A, well, then we'll have that conversation. Uh, because yeah, the Padres are obviously built to win now. Um, and so they, they need, they need, uh, to get a little bit of mileage out of him, uh, yep. so, uh out of that position. And they need to do their best. I mean, the thing that they, they did get some good news. Did Nelson Lamette looked pretty good. As did, uh, you know, um, Mackenzie Gore actually looks pretty good so far in spring training, and that's a welcome sound. I mean, they haven't had good results from him in a while. He looks a lot different than he did last year, was the word I was getting. Chris Blessing from Baseball HQ was a guy that was uh, talking about that. So uh, uh, he's a good prospect scout, so highly recommend following Chris. Uh, But that's good news. Uh, You know, Gore used to be a top. Five pitching prospects. So, and then he went this walk in the wilderness. We'll see what happens to him going forward.
0: No doubt, uh, Freddie Freeman uh, to the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, his value now goes through the roof.
6: You know, I don't think it's any higher than it was with Atlanta. Um, Atlanta had a great lineup, has a great has a great roster, and you know, uh, you know, you know, there's a ballpark that was uh, you know very left-handed friendly in terms mm-hmm. of power. So, for that, with that in mind, I, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm I don't think it changes too much. I mean, I think that the Dodgers, it's a great landing spot, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it improves them much because it was already
2: great.
0: All right. Uh, for a guy like Max Muncy, does that hurt his value? Because now he's not going to see as much first base, and you don't know if he's even going to play second. Is he going to be mostly DH and suddenly lose all those multi-positional values?
6: Maybe, but it's interesting. Chris Taylor had an operation um, for, uh, take remove loose bodies from his elbow. Uh, And he's actually behind Muncie right now so far in spring training. So, you know, maybe it's possible instead that uh, it's Taylor that he loses some time. Muncie plays some time at second base. I think they'll kind of spread it around. I think Muncie's going to get a couple positions still. Um, And, you know, they even had him playing a little bit of third. You know, Justin Turner needs his time off, too.
0: How big of a bump did you give Chris Bryant when he moved over to Coors? Oh, big.
6: Like 30 30 picks higher now, for sure. Uh, You know, the lineup around him's terrible. Uh, if take a look at their hitters, it's 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 really really truly bad. But um, they they uh, you know it's, the park effect is
0: so huge. What about uh, Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber going to Philadelphia?
6: Um, don't watch them play defense.
0: Yeah, it's the worst uh, outfield ever. I know it.
6: And infield too. While we're at it, Bohm is pretty terrible at third. D can't throw at short. Uh, Hoskins' defensive stylings at first base are. Um, not great to say the least. It is a no, it is not a great defensive setup there at all. I mean, I downgrade your Aaron Nolan stock a little bit. I think.
0: I'm with you on that. That's a, that's another really um, yeah another really good point you bring up. Hey, uh, meanwhile, you know, uh, it was a trade that went kind of under the radar, and it, it's interesting uh, in the sense that uh, what is Cincinnati your team doing with Seattle in that trade? We're sending oh Winker God. to the Mariners.
6: That'll- so that's not a that's a trade to get rid of Eugenio Suarez's contract. They had to include Winker to make Ugh. it happen.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's what rough. that was. Yeah, but that that's got to make you sick.
6: Oh, uh, it's gross. Uh, this is a team that's potentially uh, competitive, uh, and they just tore it down. And a division that's viable. I mean, there they was 83 wins last year. And for two seasons in a row now, they haven't spent. They traded away their closer, Rizel Iglesias, last year for nothing. Um, they they let Archie Bradley walk for nothing. That turns out that might have been okay. Um, but you know, they, they just they, they had this half measure of trying to contend. You know, they did it for about you know a year and a half. Oh, we tried contending. It didn't take. We're done. Come on. And now they're taking rev-sharing money again. And it's so cynical.
0: Right on. I totally agree with you. Um. All right. I'm trying to look at some of the other big, uh, big movers that have gone. Oh, let's talk about Trevor Story in Boston, playing second yeah. base now.
6: Yeah, you know the thing is, if there's a place for him to land, that's as good as it gets. Um, I'm happy to. You know, I I'd be if if I'm if I have Trevor Story in the dynasty league, and you know he's not coming back to Coors, you're upset about that. But this is not a bad spot for him.
0: I agree with you. Um, Carlos Correa to Minnesota. That was a bit of a head scratcher. Nobody really saw that one coming.
6: Um, yeah, you know, the thing is, I, I, great job by the twins. Uh, it's hard for this deal to not work for them. I mean, the only way it really blows up is if he gets hurt early on and then opts in for his last two years. But for the most, for the most part, you know, if he has a great year, they get a great year out of him and then he opts out. So be it. Okay, fine. But, you know, short-term deals are hard to go wrong, and they're trying to win. I think they have got to add another pitcher or two, and I think they might. I think you'll see them be in on the A sweepstakes with either, uh, you know, with the Frankie Montas yeah. or with Sean Mania. I think they're going to be trying to go after them. They need at least one more starting pitcher, but they're in. They're 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 viable. They're going for it.
0: You like Jorge Soler with to the Marlins?
6: Um, I. Like that, the Marlins did it again. This is another bad defensive outfield. Uh, you know, you, they're kind of forced into playing so they're in the field a lot there. So I don't like that, and it's a tough part for them to land in. Uh, but as far as like the Marlins, like as giving a pop to their roster, that's pretty good.
0: How about Matt Chapman uh, to the to the Blue Jays?
6: Oh, I love it for the Blue Jays. Love it for Alec Manoa. Love it for all, you know all their starters. I love it. Um, so, and, and I think Men, and I think Chapman does. You know, it's a much better park to hit in too. So, I like it from that standpoint too. Like it all around.
0: What are we thinking about Saya Suzuki, the Japanese star going to the Cubs?
6: You know, I always have a hard time putting a good value on uh, players coming over from Japan and Korea. Uh, our major league equivalents aren't. Dialed in completely, uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I, I like that they're trying. I like that they're signing players. I thought it was. I thought that San Diego was going to go get him after, especially at, that was like the, the the day of the news that came down on Tatis. There was a report that he agreed to a deal with the Padres, and he had to come back and say no. That isn't true.
0: Let's go back a little farther in time. Josh Donaldson to the Yankees.
6: Oh, uh, that was a wild deal. I uh, didn't see that one coming at all. But you know that. That allowed the Twins, well, in their mind, to go get Correa, because they, they've offloaded a bunch of contract, uh, to, on Donaldson, uh, there. And got Urshela, who's a very good defensive player, um, and, you know, you know, that left side of the defensively is so good for the Twins with Correa and Urshela, um, Correa is going to be a guy that, uh, I mean, uh, Donaldson is going to be a guy I think that does well in Yankee Stadium. I like it from their standpoint, too. They offloaded Gary Sanchez. I think that was one of the, the talking points there. Uh, that It was done. That story was done.
0: Last one for you today, and we'll, we'll, we'll hit this up again next week. Matt Olson, how big of a jump does he get going to Atlanta?
6: Big, big. Again, uh, ballpark change. You know, He benefits even more than Chapman does. Uh, left-handed power in Atlanta and Truist Park really does well. Uh, he's from the Atlanta area, so he signed that long-term deal pretty quickly. Uh, so this was clearly in the works for a while. So looking at it from that standpoint, could be big, could be very big. I, I like it from the the Braves standpoint. I like it from the. Uh, I certainly like it from Olsen's standpoint. It moves him up about 10 spots instead of at the end of the third round in a 15-team mixed league. He's now towards the beginning of that.
0: How about uh, the website, rotowire.com? There's so much material. Uh, the, yep. if, you, if you ever wanted to subscribe or at least try the trial for a week without even putting down a credit card, this is the week to do it.
6: Yeah, and you can do that by going. Thank you, Steve, uh, for teeing me up. Go to rotowire.com/free to get that free 10-day trial. Uh, Our roundtable rankings are up on the site. That's one of the features we just went up. Four different sets of rankings. So, you think my rankings are a little off? You know, you know. Hey, well, guess what? You got Clay Link, Mike. uh, You got Eric Halterman, and uh, you also have Todd Zola. So. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people have spent a lot of time putting a lot of thought into our rankings. You can check it out there. Uh, a lot of feature articles up on the site. Corbin Scott Young got his debut column for us here on the site. You can check that out. Highly recommend everything. Rotowire.com slash free.
0: Awesome stuff. Hey, great to have you back. Looking forward to what's going to be a fun, fun baseball season. Appreciate it as always, Jeff.
6: Thanks, Steve. Always fun talking shop with you.
0: You as well. All right, there you go. Catching up with our pal Jeff Erickson from com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson and check him out every Wednesday here on Sports Talk. Come back after Eric Elkin and ABC 7 News. It's next, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue, Adrian, you're in fantasy baseball leagues now. Did you? Do you have a chance to digest everything right there yes. from our pal Jeff Erickson? You know,
1: it's crazy because it, baseball. There are so much more ramifications when it comes to trades, acquisitions, things like that. When yeah. it when for fantasy baseball, like I'm worried about Jesse Winker right now. Like, and as an owner of Jesse Winker, from making that move over to Seattle, and uh, he was a star with the Reds. He made the All Star team last That's exactly. year, and I'm curious to see how he transitions. It's so interesting in baseball because in football, you kind of just pencil them in and think, oh, yeah, well, the fit's pretty good. They're still the same player. Baseball, it's totally different. It
0: is. And the worst part is the season hasn't started yet, and you're probably trying to think, all right, do I trade him or do I keep him? Because yes. you're in a dynasty league. You keep these guys long-term year after year, so you just don't know what to do
1: yeah exactly. I was thinking the same thing like do I sell high since he was yeah. an all-star uh, outfielder do I uh, keep him and bank that he'll uh he'll pan out with Seattle? I have zero clue
0: That's when you text Jeff Erickson because you have his number that's and you right. get and you get free advice because that comes with the whole uh weekly segment for you that's that's how you do it you you have to you need to bang it off people go out just have Jeff help you.
1: yeah, exactly. I'm gonna do that. I definitely will over the break. I'm gonna ask him
0: good and see what he tells you. Um, All right. Hey, two in the books. When we come back, Todd Fincher is going to join us live at 6. He's got a horse that's uh, going to be one of the horses to keep an eye on for Sunday's Sunland Derby. Can he win it all? We'll find out as we continue. College Hoops tomorrow, College Hoops on Friday. Adrian, we're only on for an hour each day, correct?
1: That's exactly right. Uh, It is a busy, busy Thursday and Friday edition of Sweet 16 College Hoops, and we'll have all the action right after Sports Talk on both days.
0: That's one of the reasons why I'm excited about having this next guest uh, on our show, because if you've followed Sports Talk over the years, when we used to do uh, Track Talk live at Sutherland Park Racetrack and Casino for many, many years, we've had this gentleman on the show face-to-face but I'm still happy to get him on our uh, 600 ESPN El Paso hotline here today and that is uh, Todd Fincher simply put one of the best horse trainers you're going to find anywhere and we get a chance to visit with Todd here as sports talk continues hey it's always great to have you back on the program how you been I've
7: been doing good glad to be here
0: well, listen, it's great to have you, and, and I'm going to tell you, you've had another terrific season, as you always do, racing here at Sunland. Is it crazy to think that it seems like it was just yesterday that the season started, and now here we are with almost uh, Sunland Derby Day right around the corner?
7: Yeah, time fly, Time does fly when you're working your butt off. It just You look up, and next thing you know, it'll be summer.
0: Do people have any idea what goes into training horses, especially for you quarters and thoroughbreds. If you've never done it and you're not around the track and people always hear about the jockeys, the trainers, the horses. I mean, when you talk about the hours you and your staff put in, it really uh, just blew me away when we first talked.
7: Yeah. I mean, people don't have any idea what all goes into making a race horse. And, uh, probably about like most couch potatoes know how to set up a set up a defense in the NFL, you know. So, you know, you think you know what you're talking about, but there's way more that goes into it than what you see on the field or on the tracks.
0: I agree with you. And since you've been in this your whole life, uh practically growing up in this business, um you see where you've been able to develop your stables now um, especially given what you had to go through uh, the last couple of years during COVID, and uh, you know, no live racing at Sunland and no Sunland Derby since 2019. This is a really, really big deal to have this race back this weekend, isn't it?
7: Yeah, the Sunland Derby is a pinnacle race. I mean, it 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 incentivizes people in this area to go out and buy Kentucky breads and better horses and. And uh, because you have a champ, you have two prep races for the Kentucky for the Sunland Derby. Then you have the Sunland Derby, which is a prep race for the Kentucky Derby. And it it really does incentivize people to go out and get better type horses to bring here to Sunland.
0: Which takes us then to Bye Bye Bobby, which is uh, your horse uh, that's going to be competing on Sunday and uh, you know this race well because four years ago you won it with Runaway Ghost, and now you're back in again with another big contender. Tell uh, our listeners a little bit about Bye Bye Bobby if they haven't had a chance to see the horse race.
7: Well, he was a, he's a real late maturing horse mentally and physically. You know, we've taken our time. I actually had the horse ready to run uh, first of June, but he just wasn't making me happy physically or mentally so I just turned him out and gave him a break and this is this has been our goal from the from the day we bought the horse was to run in the Sunland Derby and hopefully get uh make it to the if we can win the Sunland Derby we can make it to the Kentucky Derby so that was our goal from day one so being that he was so immature in last year in the early June we just we just let the horse tell us what to do so we decided to Actually, I decided just to give him a break, and this is we wanted a few races under his belt by the time I got here, and he's been progressing nicely. You know, he's he hasn't he hasn't run a, he's made a mistake in every one of his races so far, and hopefully he keeps learning and progressing and getting better, and hopefully on Sunday he won't make any mistakes, and I think he'll be very tough to beat.
0: Todd Fincher with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Now, again, you've been in this business a long time, so you've seen it all. Is it normal to find horses that you know have the potential, but sometimes suffer from uh, maturity issues when they're out there? Uh, you know, trying to compete or at least train.
7: That's a mistake that's made a lot of times as people running horses before they're mentally or physically mature. You know, some horses mature a lot earlier and some some come along later, and he's an April baby, so he's, he's not actually, in horse racing terms, he's three years old, but he's not physically three years old yet, so uh, he's just a little late maturing horse, a big horse that just keeps growing, keeps getting better physically. And even getting better mentally, too, so hopefully we're peaking at the right time.
0: What comes first, generally speaking, the physical maturity or the mental maturity of a of a really a a Kentucky derby quality horse?
7: Well, it just depends on each horse, but uh the mental maturity you know they're just like people we get a little more mature in our twenties and a little more in our thirties by the time we're sixty or seventy. We're plenty mature, so it's the same thing for a horse, and horses still grow until they're five years old physically, so so they're always getting better. He just wasn't uh, ready to run to his capabilities at a young age, and some horses are, but in his case, he wasn't.
0: Todd, Bye Bye Bobby has closed strong in both of the major stakes races this year at Sunland, the Riley Allison and also the Mind That Bird Derby, which were essentially three weeks apart or four weeks apart, and the horse finished second both times. Is the key really for Bye Bye Bobby on Sunday to break strong out of the gate and give you more of a fast start, so you don't have to rely on the on, on, you know, that closing speed down the stretch?
7: Well, by design, we we have never wanted him on the front. So uh, in the Riley Allison, he was going to win that race. He come in the turn, and he was just running by him just so easy, and the horse cut him off, and the jockey had to stop the horse, and that cost him anywhere from three to five links, and he got beat a neck. So he was going to win that race. And then in in the last one, the Mind That Bird, horse broke good got good position and then for some reason early on the race he just took off with the rider and you know got in a little fight with the rider for about a quarter of a mile and then he finally settled again and and uh, i actually thought he ran his race too early and then he grinded back and only got beat three quarters but he was he was coming back again on the end so we definitely need a good break and uh, hopefully a clean trip and he probably will be a little closer this time but It just depends on the pace, you know. That's the old saying, the pace makes the race.
0: Todd, are you more concerned on Sunday with um, either Straight Up G, who won the race and is coming back to try to win uh, the Sunland Derby, or Slow Down Andy, which is uh, Doug O'Neill's horse and the morning line favorite, uh, heading into the big one? To be completely honest,
7: I'm very confident I have the best horse, so what I'm worried about is my horse. Mm. Not making any mistakes this time, having a good, clean break, and not getting in any trouble. And, and I, that, that's my concern is my horse, if he's matured enough and learned, learned from mistakes he's made in the past. And uh, that's my main concern. The mile and the eighth distance is definitely in my favor, no doubt about it.
0: How do you compare Bye Bye Bobby to Runaway Ghost?
7: Runaway Ghost was a precocious two year old. I mean, he was, I had him ready to run uh, by March of his two year old year, and I sent him to California where he started his career. Uh, Bye Bye Bobby would have run last in March, April as a two year old. He was just not physically ready or mentally, and not near as precocious either. So they're two completely different horses. Runaway Ghost, he gave you everything every time, and I think Bobby will, too. He just needs to learn to control himself and not make any mistakes.
0: So, really, the, the story with Bye Bye Bobby is, is that if everything comes together the way you believe it can, sky's the limit with what this horse is really capable of doing on the biggest stage.
7: Well, he has not reached his peak by any means. I mean, we don't know where the ceiling is for him, but he's not there yet. He's improved. Besides the second race, he's improved uh, every every race since then, and uh, and uh, that's what you. That's what we're trying to do is get him to keep progressing, leading up to the Sunland Derby. Hopefully, to peak enough to win here, and then get even better if he qualifies for the Kentucky Derby to go on from there. But he has not reached his potential, or even close in my in my opinion.
0: We're talking right now with Todd Fincher here on Sports Talk. Now you've got other horses that are going to be racing on Sunday in some of the big races. I know in the Bill Thomas Memorial Stakes, which is six and one-half furlongs. It's the fourth race of the day. um, You've got our Iris Rose. That's going to be uh, one of the favorites uh, going up against uh, Sharapova from Southern California. Give me a little bit of a preview of what to expect there. Uh,
7: That's not uh, Bill Thomas. That's... uh
8: different
7: race uh the
0: harry henson i'm sorry the harry henson handicap
7: yeah 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 that uh our iris rose is a full sister to runaway ghost i don't know if you know that or not
0: i don't and
7: and she's very precocious too she's real headstrong and she just wants to run so uh she's going to go to the front whether we want her to or not she's she just wants to be in front and run so uh you know she's coming off a long layoff it's been over nine months since her last race and then she just ran three weeks ago so she ran a huge race three weeks ago and then you turn one around that quick you never know what they're going to do it's called a bounce factor where they run so hard the first time that takes them a little longer to recover but she seems to be doing great so hopefully she'll run she'll run all she can she's She's got a big heart, just like her big brother.
0: Now, the Harry Henson Handicap is the sixth race. That's what we're talking about. That's going to be a, a, the one-mile race with uh, our Iris Rose uh, going up uh, in that one. So that's the one to keep an eye on in the sixth race. Do you have any other horses that are running on Sunday, or are those really the two big ones?
7: Actually, I've got 13 running on on uh, Sunday. Oh,
0: my God. There's two,
7: two, there's two New, New Mexico... Uh, races one in oaks one a derby that are for new mexico breads and both of those purses are two hundred fifty thousand. so we have some outstanding racing on sunday it's a great card a lot of good horses a lot of stakes horses a lot of people coming from out of state uh bringing some good horses in to compete so it's going to be a ni- a really nice day hopefully we can do some
0: good Todd, your uh, stable has exploded over the years. It really has. I mean, biggest race day of the season, you got thirteen horses racing. Um, how many uh, all together in your stable right now here at Sunland?
7: Yeah, I've, over the years, I, my stable has grown, has grown, and I've diversified pretty well. Like you said, quarter horses. I got New Mexico breeds. I got open horses, uh, Texas breeds. So yeah, we've we've gotten pretty diversified and. We'll carry close to a hundred horses throughout the year.
0: How about your team, your staff? How many people does it take to really do uh, you know do it justice and and give those hundred horses uh, the best uh, care and training they can get?
7: I believe I have around thirty employees, so if that gives you any idea yeah we're we've, we've got a great staff too. i've got an exercise rider slash a foreman that's been with me since probably my second or third year of training so he's a vital part of my program and then we have outstanding grooms and uh, exercise riders and assistants as well so yeah we we have a great team and people that really pay attention and uh, we've been pretty fortunate to have to have the help that we need.
0: Todd it's unbelievable it really is when you start to look at everybody that's surrounding it and, and how many horses you're, you're getting to work with now on on a yearly basis plus you always have a contender here in the Sunland Derby each and every season it's it's really remarkable to see how far you know you've been able to grow and I'm kind of wondering um, you know do we ever see will Todd Fincher ever become uh, to the sense like Steve s Mewson and all of a sudden you're gonna have horses all over the country going places and just keep growing and growing or do you like the way things are now as far as your operation
7: i like my operation you know if you get a good horse you know you can always travel with a good horse you know so i love new mexico uh sunland park in my opinion could be a great place to race in the winter it's it's good right now and it could it could it could become much better with the right right management of horse racing in this part of the country it it could become an Outstanding place to race horses, so I'm I'm pushing for that. I'm trying to stay home in New Mexico and uh, help that along, where we have, where we really are promoting thoroughbred racing in New Mexico.
0: How is the quality of this year's meet at Sunland been compared to past years?
7: Sunland's always one of the toughest meets you'll ever come to. Uh, You know, last year they shut down, and I moved my my horses to houston for the winter and we did really good there so it, it's comparable to houston's racing and the houston's got you know steve asmussen's a staple there so along with some of the other leading trainers in the country that run horses there too so you know some is not easy you know it's it's very competitive horse racing
0: I'll wrap it up with this for you, Todd. If Bye Bye Bobby does what you expect it to do, and uh, not only wins the Sunland Derby but punches uh, his ticket into the Kentucky Derby, what would that mean for you to know? Since this, we did this four years ago, but it didn't work out uh, that final uh, week or two, that you'll have the chance this time around to to see, really, I'm, I'm sure, a dream come true and an opportunity to uh, to race at uh, you know at Churchill Downs. Yeah,
7: we've you know i took uh, another horse to Churchill the year runaway ghost and we we've got our we got an opportunity to run there but but that is a dream to be in the Kentucky Derby and actually win the Kentucky Derby so hopefully hopefully that'll come true you know we got to first things first though we do have to win the Southern Derby to be eligible so
0: well listen so that, We're excited about that, especially uh, you giving us uh, the little uh, lowdown on Bye Bye Bobby, which, again, uh, races start at 1225, folks, and then, uh, of course, the Sunland Derby, the main race of the day, but get there early because uh, it's going to be a terrific crowd, a lot of great racing, and as Todd's been talking about, he's got 13 horses, 13 on the card, so you definitely want to keep an eye on on all of those. Hey, listen, great catching up with you. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back out there on Sunday, Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you. Todd Fincher, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk. 19 passed. Come back with more right after Charlie Wan, who's got a traffic update for us. 23 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. Don't forget, coming up on the show tomorrow, one hour, because of uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. That's right, right around the corner. As you might imagine, Sweet 16 is here. We're excited about that. And that means tourney talk here on Sports Talk. Tourney Talk brought to you by GECU. Put your game into overdrive with a low-rate GECU auto loan. Get pre-approved by April the 4th. Details at GECU.com. Equal Opportunity Lender man. Oh man. I'm excited about the sweet 16 Adrian. I think we've got some fun games. the game I can't wait for obviously is Duke and Texas tech. That is the one game I am more excited about than any sweet 16 game in quite a while.
1: Yeah. And it's tomorrow. How crazy is that? And, uh, we saw the photo today circulating social media, Bryson Williams meeting Steph Curry out there. Uh, they're, they're in the Bay. Uh, they're getting ready. They're playing at the, uh, the chase. I think it's the chase arena. That's where golden state plays. Uh, so they're, they're playing there. Uh, Tomorrow and that one tips off at seven thirty. That's must watch TV. Oh, yeah. uh, the game right after that one should be good too. It's, five, uh, it's uh, fifth seed Houston going up against top seed Arizona.
0: Wow, we've got good games tomorrow. We really do. That's going to be fun. So I- I'm excited about the round of sixteen. In fact, yeah, Texas Tech seven thirty. It's weird because there's a it, the doubleheader starts at five. The early game is Arkansas and Gonzaga. Okay, that's the early game. Then you've got twenty minutes later, Michigan and Villanova. Then uh, Texas Tech, Duke, and that's uh, from you know the West region, right after the Arkansas Gonzaga game, and then Houston, Arizona is the last game of the day at seven, eight o'clock. So ultimately, from five to ten, you've got basketball. You, you mean between CBS and TBS, you're all covered tomorrow.
1: Yeah, you literally can't get out of your your couch, your seat, your your car if you're listening to us on the radio uh, tomorrow. Uh, Thursday is appointment viewing basketball because all the games are great. Now, I'm not saying Friday's games aren't great, Steve, but I will say there are some potential blowout. There's a blowout potential. I want St. Peter's to keep going on this awesome run they have, uh, especially all the news that we're hearing from them about how they're an underfunded program and how they really just don't have a lot of money with their program, but I don't know. That Purdue game has blowout potential. Same with Kansas against Providence. Uh, I'm curious to see how those games on Friday end up, but I'm I'm psyched for tomorrow's games.
0: Could Villanova, Michigan have blowout potential? Is Maybe. this finally the end of the road for Jawan Howard?
1: Maybe. And and I really like Villanova's squad. Uh, they're a team that uh, they, they've been there. They've done that. They, they, this is a veteran group that understands what it takes to win in March. So yeah, that one could definitely have that blowout potential. I
0: wonder if Arkansas can slow down Gonzaga because if they can. And that game could also get out of hand in a hurry.
1: Yeah, I like the must-bust, though. I, I feel like the way that they were bounced out last year against the eventual champions in Baylor, they have a bad taste in their mouth from last year. And former minor, Tevin Wade, he's a starter on Arkansas, a name that we can always mention here. Uh, the Razorbacks, they're, they're a good team. Last year, they shouldn't have been bounced out. Uh, in. I think it was either the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. But this this time around, they're going up against the best team maybe in the country in Gonzaga.
0: Tevin Wade averages like four points a game, and he's in the starting lineup. It's wild, so isn't funny.
1: it? Do they have him for his length, his athleticism, his defense? But, I think so. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily like that NBA type of prospect whatsoever. But he's uh, he's a nice piece for the Razorbacks, I guess.
0: Again, starts up five o'clock. So we'll be with you for an hour tomorrow, an hour on Friday. Looking forward to that. We're trying to get Jim Rome back on the show on Friday. Hey, he said we're his good luck charm. If Rome doesn't come up big with us on Friday, I'm worried about straight up G because I am superstitious. And you know, if you want, st- if straight up G doesn't win. Rome is gonna be really kicking himself that he couldn't make time for uh, for six hundred ESPN.
1: Straight up if he does not join us, I'm not voting for straight or I'm not picking straight up G this yeah, weekend. You
0: might have to go Bob at Bobby. You might have to. I understand. Especially
1: that after that interview right or there. Or slow down Andy. That's yeah. another
0: possibility. You're right. I, I'm telling you, Todd's Todd's confident, man. Todd believes. All right, let's go to John. He's joining us next. Hey John, what's happening?
8: Not a lot, guys. Just here. Uh wanted to talk some uh, football with you.
0: Oh good. That sounds like fun.
8: Oh, yes, it is. Too bad the Cowboys' offseason hasn't been. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess, okay, I'm glad Kirst came back, but even then, that didn't make me happy. Um, I, I don't understand how they didn't bring back Amari Cooper at $20 million, considering the Packers almost brought back Devontae Adams at that price before trading him. It doesn't make sense to me. Well,
0: I mean, I look, I, they're big, they're big, I, I their big, their big, their big acquisition it. was what reciting Michael Gallup.
8: Ooh, who's gonna probably gonna miss the first six weeks with an ACL tear? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's really great.
0: Now, let me ask you this, okay? Uh, and this is also kind of interesting. Um, do you like Dorrance Armstrong on the two-year deal, uh, up to thirteen million, six million guaranteed? I guess it's all right. Don't, you don't t- you don't you just don't sound happy man and, and by the way they also no. uh, they also brought in Dante Fowler Jr. That's interesting for the defense that, and the pass rush. That
8: that one that one was interesting. It really was, but I really think he underperformed in Atlanta. Oh, I agree. He was there.
6: Hey, um, hey con- John, con- real quick.
1: John, real quick. I want to ask you this. If Tyron Matthew ends up with the Cowboys, will your opinion on this offseason change?
8: I would say a little bit, because Tyron Matthews is getting older. I think I would have rather gone after Bobby Wagner.
0: Okay. But Bobby Wagner's not getting any younger either. You know that,
8: too. No, he's not. He's not. Neither of them are. Neither of them are. And, And that's, I think, what it is with the Cowboys, with the Gregory thing. Yeah, I mean, It's listen. like, how, how do you let that happen? How? To me, that's on Jerry about the language in the contract with, with his weed or whatever, which is now, I believe I heard it's legal now in the NFL. They are not testing or being as strict about it as they were before.
0: Well, listen. So there
8: shouldn't be a problem.
0: It's not legal in Texas. It's it's great that it's legal in the NFL, but it's still not legal it's in not Texas. Legal, I know it's. So, not, it should be. Yeah, I, listen, I, don't don't get me started on on legalization of marijuana. I'm with you on that, and I've never smoked in my life, and it doesn't matter to me. Wait. I still think it should be legal, but you know, uh, that's neither here nor there.
8: No, I I, I agree. I just I don't know. I, I guess it's you. You look at. All the other moves, especially today. Hello, wow! Tyreek Hill going to Miami. That one yeah. is a surprise. Too bad they don't have a quarterback to get him the ball.
0: Fair, but, fair, uh, fair, fair, fair. Asking. Yeah, yeah. to see about that one. Yeah.
8: but believe it or not, this is going to sound crazy. I'm actually more excited for the USFL starting next month than I am the Cowboys.
0: Who, Who's your team? Paul,
8: I don't know yet. Um. I'm thinking either Houston or New Orleans, probably the two closest here to El Paso.
0: Okay.
8: Yeah, I mean, okay. You know, we'll, we'll see. I just, the, the one thing, though, I did see yesterday with the rule change or with the new rules, I love that pass interference, at least defense, is only 15 yards. If only the NFL could do that instead of 60 yard prayer, oh, well. We get the ball first and goal at the
1: five.
0: Well, I thought you were going to talk about a different rule, Adrian. Adrian, you found a better one.
1: Yeah, how about that? The fact that they can go for three. Like, instead of going for one as an extra point, going for two, like we all know, they can go for three. And if they do that, they have to start at the 10-yard line, and they have to make that uh, conversion right there. And they can get three points instead of two or, you know, one.
8: I heard about that one. That one's interesting.
0: How about a best-of-three shootout in overtime?
8: That one's definitely interesting. I heard about that one too. Um, I would probably. We'll just have to see how those two go first before you know we try to venture. It, you know, oh, let's try it in the NFL. or Let's try it in college. But well, nothing me, like yeah, I, nothing I, like, I, like I have, overtime. I have always been a proponent, at least for the NFL, overtime. If you're going to give each team a possession. You start at your own 40-yard line, and you go 60 yards.
0: I know, but this is great. How about, you know, you go to the two-yard line, and you try to score, and if you score, you get two points. As soon as that one plays off, the other team comes back on. Then they try. Then you do it again, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. And after three tries, you take whoever's got the most uh, points and wins. I, I like that best out of three idea. I think that's kind of cool. It's different. It's fresh. Yeah.
8: It, it, is, it is different. and you know, I'll, I'll leave the, the last comment here, and, and I'll hang up. I believe it's the Michigan team. I'm not sure that they got that quarterback from Michigan. I believe it's Shea Patterson. Mm-hmm. How long do you give Jeff Fisher before he ruins him?
0: <laughs> well, it's the USFL. So, I mean,
8: yeah. I know, but still, yeah. you look at Jeff Fisher's mm-hmm. track record. I mean, come on, he almost made jared goff a bust
0: well the good news is uh nobody's really thinking about patterson in the nfl anyway so there you go you'll ruin him for the usfl that's a good idea i like that john that's funny good job appreciate the call 34 pass let's get to one last sports center update here's adrian with the latest adrian thank you very much appreciate that As we continue here uh on the show Eight eight zero five seven six three. our telephone number uh, get you right on in and through to the show through to sports talk that was fun listening to john and his takes on the situation i, I liked what he had to say for the most part that was pretty interesting
1: yeah I, you know you're he's bashing a little bit on coaches like jeff fisher but are you really excited about any other coach in the usfl you have uh Kevin Sumlin on one end. He's coaching the Houston Gamblers. Larry Fedora, who's coaching the New Orleans Breakers, and Todd Haley, who uh, that, that forget Todd Haley right there. He's coaching the Tampa Bay Bandits. There's not it's not like the marquee names as far as head coaches.
0: Man, are you gonna get into this? You're gonna actually you gonna you gonna watch uh, USFL? Okay, if it's on like a Sunday. And if it's
1: like there's nothing on, uh, I'll throw it on. I'll, th- I'll watch it. I-, I guarantee you my dad will be watching it. So anytime I go over there, I'll have a chance to get a good dosage of the USFL. And the XFL before the pandemic hit and canceled the season, I actually thought it was entertaining. I mean, it wasn't the best, but uh, I thought it was very entertaining. So as long as they get some good talent, maybe this will be some uh, a little bit of fun.
0: All right, so that, so it's one of those if they do well, I'll check it out kind of things.
1: Uh, Yeah. What what about you? Are you going to watch this at all?
0: (sighs) I'm not making this priority television. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is not anything that I'm getting very excited about. So if it's on and it's football, I'll probably watch it more out of curiosity than anything else just because – the only football that's going to be on right now but no i'm not making uh usfl appointment television because at least in the early 80s when they started this in 83 84 and 85 you had some of the best college players choose the usfl over the nfl
1: that's that's amazing to me. But when I read that football for a buck book, I mean, yeah. you really got to see. Now, my question is, and I don't, I don't think it'll ever happen. But would the USFL or any of these alternate leagues throw some big money, like like serious money, at any of these current NFL players to try their to try to lure them away? Maybe once their contracts over, or something along those lines.
0: Um. Well, I mean, I, I never thought about it like that. That could be possible. It could be possible, but because
1: that's the only way I would see people actually turning it on and you know watching it if they're,
0: they're star a player, power, yeah,
1: star power.
0: There's Do you want this to be like, like like the retirement league?
1: Yeah, actually, that's a great idea. That's something like you can have Ben Roethlisberger uh, yeah. be the quarterback for Pittsburgh. You can have, uh, you know, get get some castaways in, like Johnny Manziel. He could come back and he could he could check in. Tim Tebow can finally make. A, go, a football roster. So we're
0: gonna make this the League of Dreams.
1: Yes, I think I think we're on to something. And this one, they would sell jerseys. Steve, you're telling me that people wouldn't buy a Tampa Bay Tebow jersey in the USFL?
0: Yeah, there'd be some merch being sold. There would be some merch. I agree. Antonio with you.
1: Brown, he could be the commissioner oh
0: my god all right now you now you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself there that's good though. i like <laughs> i like what you're thinking hey 39 pass final countdowns next stay with us sports talk continues 600 espn el paso